0: Na di welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Before we get on to another big interview that we've got later on, joining me this week to discuss yesterday's game are Rhys Aldane. Rhys, hello. All right, guys, man. Nice to to be back on. Nice to have you back. Kieran Ashen's here. Hello, Kieran. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Ah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Better than last week, slightly. Mark Wallace is here. Mark, Hello. Hello. And rounding off our panel this week is Manpreet Singh. Hello, Manpreet.
1: All right, good to be back. N- not off today,
0: finally, man. <laughs> uh, first up, we'll discuss yesterday's. It was a slightly underwhelming two-two draw at home to Falkirk. Uh, Mark, I'll come to you first. We had quite a lot of listener correspondence after the game yesterday. But one question that wasn't asked was about the late goals, and um, that's two weeks in a row now we've conceded a decisive goal early on in the match. Is that something that we should be concerned about?
2: I think naturally, when you lose goals that uh, change the outcome of the match, you're going to be you're going to be annoyed about that. And I, th- I was rightly annoyed uh, about that goal that we conceded yesterday. I felt we could have defended it a whole lot better. But I think you look at the two games—the uh, Cove game last week and that that goal to. That goal yesterday, I think it's two games in a row against two of the better sides. I'd be more annoyed if we were doing it against even worse opposition. I think the fact that it's been Cove and Falkert, the two sides that are up at the top, that we're probably aiming to be up there with, uh, shows that we've, maybe we'll get there. But, of course, you're going to be irritated by dropping points with late goals.
0: Do you think there was a, a cause of the goals? Is it? I know we spoke last week about the no subs that McCord decided well, not to make in the end. He did make some subs yesterday, but there's been talk about uh, we were too panicky in the ball. Do you think there's a, a cause or do you think it's just two freak weeks and we'll go over it?
2: I think, it's two, I think it may be two freak weeks. I, although I don't want to be... Given the manager and the, the players necessarily a get-out-of-jail-free card I thought I watched the goals back earlier this morning And I thought that the initial ball that Salmon ended up uh, nodding down for Telfer's goal I thought that could have been defended a whole lot better I, I thought that could have been avoided We've got players on our team who've played with Connor Salmon Who know what he's going to be doing Because that's what Graham does for us they're, going to, they're bringing him on to try and occupy your defenders They should be able to know that that's what's going to happen And we should be trying to make an effort to avoid that from happening If Salmon's better marshalled, Telford doesn't get that chance Or possibly even the ball in doesn't even make it into the box For Telford to score
0: We touched on the late goals there with Mark Obviously the result wasn't the one we wanted yesterday After, Especially after being in that winning position uh, but what did you make of the performance overall? I felt yesterday the, por- the
3: performance was a great deal better, which was evidently down to playing with Width in-, in the side. We- I feel like we started off in the front foot and we were right on top of all cut from the get-go and they were kind of just playing counter-attacking football. They were just pinning long balls up to Cal Morrison. Their goal obviously comes... Well, to be fair, it did look offside at the time and McCall said he's seen it back and it was a good good yard or two offside. And it's just it's a frequent goal. He tries to knock it past Penrice and it flies off Penrice's shin. Into the top corner, you're just you're thinking what chance he got. You know what I mean? It's but it's early doors. We've been here before, and then a couple of minutes later, Williamson and Cardo are causing all sorts of problems down that right hand side. And Williamson goes on and wins as a penalty, which doesn't happen if Richard Foster starts because he's scared to take a man on now. But Graham obviously misses a penalty, and you're just thinking. It's the same old fissile, here we go again But I felt we still had the line share of possession And with a couple of dangerous crosses into the box Connor Murray had a good effort turned round the post You look at it, both sides had chances Because Anton Dowds missed a glaring opportunity From a couple of yards, hit the post And then we had the same Ross Doherty missed an absolute sitter right after half-time But obviously the game flipped on its head When we scored two fire headers And it's the second time this season already in the league That we've shown good character to come from behind Because there's been many a fissile side in the past that The head's just dropped when it goes 1-0 and we can't find our way back into the game. But it's encouraging that already this season we've shown good fight to come back from a goal behind. Their equaliser, it's a terrible goal, you lose. We let the ball bounce in the box and it ends up ricocheting off Salmon's knee, falls right into Telford's path. And for me, questions need to be asked about the keeper didn't cover himself in glory with that goal. No saying he should save it, but he could do better, I think. Man. But I there was definitely signs of encouragement to take from the performance, despite not picking up all three points. It's the two full-time sides in the league cancelling each other out. I feel that both of their goals were a bit fortuitous, so if we play like
0: that, more often than not, I think we can pick up three points. I know you just mentioned the own goal there, Reese. I think that, that one goal is good. It's probably going to win our goal this season. It was an absolute screamer. Uh, I know you've you've not been that convinced with Keiran Wright since he came in, I don't actually think he's been—he's been too bad. I know he mentioned he thought he should have done better for the second goal yesterday. Are you happy with him as a number two? I—I don't think he's been terrible or anything. I just feel like he doesn't fill me with confidence.
3: I don't think he's great, but as a number two, I—fair enough—he's not been terrible. We could do a whole lot worse. We could have Bryn Halliwell or something. So I. He's, he's, not, he's not shocking or
0: anything now man. uh, Manpreet uh, we spoke about the changes that we'd like to see I think for a couple of weeks now we've been crying out for uh, Ryan Williams coming back in uh, to replace Ricky Foster he did that uh, Blair Spittle moved into a more central role and that allowed us to play out and out wingers were you happy with the starting 11 when you saw it yesterday? I, I think like most Thistle fans starting 11 from what we
1: had available was pretty much spot on obviously a few would probably add other Lions etc that's always going to be up for debate, but the team we started with, that team should probably be the overall shape, as in two wingers is something we should always start with. Like That was a full-time team, if we play that same squad most times this season, I think we'll run over the top, a team's like far, forward than Barton, but the problem was that Senna didn't come on, the team start, like Cole was perfect, perfectly, you set up well, we should. We got unlucky it'd be one down at half time, but then again, we could also, we should probably have been two down. They should have killed the game off just before half time. That should have been the game wrapped up for them there, but then again, we should also probably shouldn't have been one down. We have had to change it to come from a goal behind. We, we've we not scored first this season yet. Like, we've not been one nil up in, in a game. And the fact that us coming back consistently against Airdrie and who were second and third last season, Coming back from a goal down when last year, if we go a goal down, the heads drop. The second half, we still kept going at it, kept going at it, kept going at it. And it's almost a case of when we scored yesterday, it was a case of what do we do now? Because it, it, like Graham ended up dropping into a midfield position. like The way we started, wingers, direct, Williamson, Cardo need to start. The, the difference that we had yesterday was that Williamson was busting our gut. But Williamson, for that penalty yesterday, if, like we said... Foster gets nowhere near that. Williamson busted a gut, got a penalty. Obviously, Graham got unlucky with the penalty. It just It was just looking like one of those days. Spittle in the 10 is, in my opinion, I prefer him in the 10 than out wide, as in when he's in the 10, we can get two actual wingers on the park. Murray and Cardo, starting yesterday, was good. I've seen that that you said that about Murray, not really doing much. I, I've watched the goals back. He's, In my opinion, anyway, he's he's played two home games against Airdre and Falkirk and and near enough every goal we scored at home he's had some sort of build-up play in the game uh, in the goals like yesterday he'd done well in the middle of the park for Cardo when uh, he scored it to Graham for the far right and then against Airdre he'd done well for both of the goals even Cardo's first goal yesterday he does well to occupy the centre half and Cardo just gets a header for the uh, edge of the six yard box but we have to go, Cardo and Williamson. For me, are one of the first names in the team sheet. I just how well they played. Like, like we need to factor in that that's probably one of the best teams in the league yesterday, and how easily we we're cutting them open. Like, if the, not many teams are going to be
0: as hard as our start to the season has been. I don't think uh, Connor Murray's been terrible since he came in. And I don't think any of our sort of attackers behind the strikers have been terrible. I think my my point I was trying to make yesterday, and I probably didn't put it across clearly enough as. If we are going to win the league, these guys, Murray, Gordon, Spittle, Cardo, they seem to have one good game out of every three or four. That's not really going to be enough if we're going to win the league. If we want to win the league, I think at least two of the three who play need to have a good game every week. So you're looking at them individually having two out of three good games rather than one out of three or one out of four. But I I think there's potential there. I think yesterday it showed that maybe... With Cardle and Murray on the wings, with Spittle in the in the middle, we found the, the formula to fit those guys in.
1: And then that has always been our problem. we've always had players, or we've always seen players that you've looked at and you've been like, hey, he's good. But then they've came here and they've been inconsistent. Like like they'll have a good game, and then you're like, kick on, come on, like come on, please, thistle, turn the corner here. And then the next week we go and lose 1-0. And the tackles that played well the week before have an absolute stinker. Like that's just what we've just always not. Had players that can consistently do it since Doohan and then Alaskan.
2: You talk about individual performances. How we've had maybe good individual performances in spite of being a good collective. I thought yesterday I think was maybe a, a good day to have a, a good set of individual performances. Because I thought we fronted up to Falkert very well and I thought we were winning the individual battles. We had them kind of on the back foot a wee bit. We were really putting the pressure on folk's weak links. Certainly the places that my Falkert support supporting pal, who I watched the game with yesterday, felt uh, were their weak points. So, yeah, I get not necessarily clicking as a collective just yet, but certainly I think this was definitely a game, considering the type of opposition we were up against, the calibre of opposition we were up against, uh, to have a very good set of individual performances, because the last thing you want is to not even show up at all, to have not won a good performance at all. And I think that's something that we can definitely take take heart from. That if we can get teams like Falkirk and Airdrie sort of on the run, so to speak, when we play them at home we stand a good chance of collecting points and making an
0: effort to get back into the Championship. Kieran, i I'll bring you in. Um, you were on last week's show where the sort of main subject of discussion was the fact that Ian McCall didn't make a sub. Uh, substitutes were made yesterday. Were they the right substitutions to be made? I think Manfred touched on earlier that uh, Sen and Yang didn't get brought on like he did against Airdrie when we did hang on for a, a one-goal win and his absence was... Maybe a contributing factor to how Falco got back into the game yesterday. What were your thoughts on the subs yesterday?
4: I mean, it was a, it was a, it was, it was good that he actually made subs. That's probably the the more kind of positive argument for it. I thought bringing on lines was good. for money. I thought he, you know, he gave us a attacking play, and it's good to uh, get his match fitness up. But I, I really think Senna, uh should have come on to show up and see the points. out. I think that's what we were really, really lacking yesterday, and ultimately I think it really cost us the three points.
2: I must admit that I was surprised I didn't see uh, Niang come on because he's shown uh, a real strength, a real solidity. It gives us that sort of reassuring factor for such a young player. I was very surprised Gordon came on, and but also at the same time not really surprised that not long after Gordon came on, we conceded a goal. We should have been looking at strengthening the middle of the park, tightening up someone like Niang on there. Or even, dare I say it, Ricky Foster Have that solidity When you're defending a lead When you're co- when your confidence is up and down You need to have that sort of steady in hand If you go onto the club Twitter In the 85th minute we make a sub Cardo for Gordon That
1: has to be Cardo for Senna The goal that they score ends up coming Just watched it back literally a second ago And he runs off Penrith Into that wee pocket that I think Senna Would have been sitting and just clear it And just sweep up but Barnes on Doc, who ended up we, we us going to a 4-4-2. Personally I don't like it when we do that because it just feels like they put a third in the middle and they're gonna end up scoring from a late run, which what happened yesterday. But Senna should've came on yesterday foot instead of Gordon. Like that sub there should if that's Senna, you're currently sitting here talking about a win but instead it's two weeks in a row where substitutions have realistically cost us Two points last week, I think, if we had made subs and went for it last week, we would have won it because they were terrible. If we had brought Senna on yesterday, we would have held on for a win. Five points is the difference between just substitutions that arguably McCall isn't a manager that should be making mistakes like that because he is that experienced. A lot of people had the problem with Archibald with substitutions. It's almost as if it's just carrying on to McCall because the reason we couldn't get out was because we punt it long. Darlene would nine times out of ten win the header against Lions and it bounced into the middle of the park and because we, it was a 2v3 in the middle they just
0: regained possession We'll move on, I know we've done a little bit of uh, Ian McCall bashing and maybe there with the, the comments we've made on the subs for the last two weeks, we will come on to his position later on but before we do that Reese, I'm going to come to you about some partnerships in the pitch and maybe something Ian McCall does deserve a bit of credit for we saw Ryan Williamson and Joe Cardo come into the team yesterday and have a really good understanding down the right, he's brought Ross Docker in to play with Banning uh, in the midfield and they seem to have developed a pretty strong partnership pretty quickly. We haven't had too many clear partnerships on the pitch in a year or two, maybe since Erskine and Doolin. Is this something we should try and focus on? Because Williamson and Cardo were sort of key to the success we had yesterday. Long term, should we be focusing on trying to develop these partnerships across the pitch? For sure, I feel partnerships are
3: definitely vital in any team. Ideally, you're wanting a steady core right through the middle of your side, your, and I think McCall had planned that at the beginning of the season, because you know how much McCall rates Tam aware. so you'd likely have seen a consistent pair in a Brownleon aware at the back, and we've pretty much had to reshuffle our whole game plan for the season with Ruddon's injury was, because the two up top, Graham and Ruddon, would have been a proper nuisance for every defence in the league, and it's just a real shame we're not going to see much of it. In long term, in the future, I think Williamson and Cardo can be a great partnership for us in League One. They've known each other for years, they've been close for years at Dunfermline and that worked well in the past. I think they both won League One together with Dunfermline on the right-hand side. And then going forward, I think Lyons and Penrice are pretty close with each other, like good mates in training and that. So down the left-hand side, I think that could end up being a good pairing. Once Lyons gets his fitness up and running and starts getting consistent game time, I think that could be a good partnership on the left in the future.
0: Kieran Fraser Forbes has uh, asked a question, just touched on Ryan Wilson There, he came back in yesterday. I think that was his first league appearance of the season. He did play. He, I thought he played really well going forward. I've still got some reservations about him defensively. I don't think he's a great defensive fullback, especially when it comes to things like blocking crosses and getting close to his man. Um, but do you think he's been used as a scapegoat since he came in?
4: Aye, I, I mean me personally. Last season, uh, before he got injured, I was. Um... I was pretty critical of him last season, but again, as you said, defensively, I think his positioning was a bit off, and he was pretty poor at him, like blocking crosses, and they lost goals because of that. But um, however, I thought we, we, we did kind of miss him as well because when we brought in Leo Corner, like that was that was awful, and he linked up well with Cardo, and it definitely I, I think he, he did really well yesterday.
1: But see, just for what he gives us going forward, and how like much we struggle to create chances, I think we just need to get him in there. Because every game this season that we've played so far, it's not as if the opposition have had numerous amount of chances where we've been like, we need to have a defensive full-back The difference he made going forward is, like, I like, like, we might concede a goal every three games because he can't defend. We see what he does going forward because it pins the opposition back. Like him and Cardo on the same side, it, it makes their left-sided attacker have to drop off and follow Williamson like the penalty yesterday like a touched on at the start Richard Foster doesn't do that Richard Foster just doesn't do that at all Williamson has to start as well even, even away games like I would, I would at the start of the season I said for Cove away Erdrow away Falkirk away you, you bring him Foster and just kind of shore it up because you don't want to lose any stupid goals from now on for me Williamson starts every season, every single game this season just because of what he does going forward it's, it's night and day uh, him going forward anything, most of the chances we created this they came from his side, Ricardo. Like we said, we have literally had to change our whole shape. McCall even said that on the radio, how Rudding and Graham would have been a two up front. We've got four centre-halves, so you realistically look at it, that we would probably, if McCall has everybody available, I think we'd probably be a three five two right now, with a two up front, uh, like i.e. the four centre-halves, as in Brownley, McKenna, Ower. So, we, we are, we've ha, arguably had the the hardest start to the league that you could realistically have got and we've had to re-change the whole shape of the squad that the manager wanted to. We've lost two first-team centre-offs, a goalkeeper and two strikers. So what can you really do? You just need a break of luck sometimes that you can't comprehend from what we've got out injured. Like, like, like nobody could have predicted that and like, you know how bad we are with injuries but nobody could have said that we'd have two or strikers out as in Sally, I mean, both, Ruddin both need surgery now, right? So realistically, we need another striker. And so Graham's the only striker now we've got till January. And then centre-half-wise, it's only Breen and Brownley. or I think Dean would have been dropped by now. And it's the partnerships, that like we said, obviously at Rice and Lines, obviously they get on well together. Even down the middle of the call. like Banzo and Doc, that they two need to be a double pivot. They two need to just be solid together. Then in front of them, you have Spittle and the 10. Then you have Brownley and Goal. And go uh, Brownley at the back with Snedden and go. It's just stuff like that. We need a, a solid core to the squad, and then say every so often you bring in Murray for lines or Murray for Cardo, just change it up. But the core needs to stay the same as in Graham, Spittle in the 10, Banzo and Doc, Brownley, Snedden and go when he's back. That That's a strong core Then you chop and change the left, right, left back and right back.
0: I think I agree that Williamson has to start. I think especially. He touched on Doherty and Bannigan playing as a two-in-midfield boundary. I think the four-two-three-one shape, the two-sitting, really does give licence to both full-backs to fly forward. And I think if you've got two sitting midfielders, you don't need a full-back like Foster. Even if you're not planning to dominate many games, we should be dominating the game. So the two sitting midfielders should see us have full-backs, Penrice and Williamson, playing as almost wing-backs, because if they fly forward, Bannigan can cover one side, Doherty can cover the other side. I think if we were only playing with maybe one one sitter in midfield, I think we've we've talked about this before, maybe do we need two sitters? I think then you could maybe make the argument for Foster coming back into the side. But I can't see Bannigan or Dockery getting dropped anytime soon. So as long as we've got that solidity in midfield, I think we can afford um, Williams. He's almost like a a luxury right-back, but I think he can afford that if we've got Bannigan and Dockery sitting there in midfield. Um, Mark, I'll bring you back in for the the most common listener question. Um, we had it in three or four different varieties, but as Ian McCall's quote on a sugarly pig?
2: I think I made the point last week. It's a catch-22 situation for Ian McCall, really, because we have a shortened season. It's 27 games instead of 36. We can't afford to get too far behind, but at the same time, we can't just disperse with them and appoint someone and expect them to quickly turn around everything. Because if you remember, even though McCall did have an initial sort of rebounds, it kind of t- it tailed off after, I think it was the Inverness game we won it for Hill. We had a win, I think we won against Morton, Like that was really it. And of course you remember Caldwell, was it eight or nine games before eventually winning? We're in a tough situation. I don't think McCall should be immune from criticism. I think this week showed McCall's sort of reign his second time around in microcosm because we went behind to a silly goal. We rallied, we came back, we took the lead and we lost a silly goal late on. I we had, we had the missed penalty, Doherty missed. But I think so far... It's not great. Like I said, four points from 12 isn't great, but it's four points at home against two of the better sides in the league. I think he's bought himself a bit of time for now, but certainly shouldn't be getting off the hook. I don't know if it's if it's just it's that early season jitters for us, because I think he, he himself knows that we're under pressure to perform this season and he, He's very well aware of that. So don't want to be coming down too hard, but at the same time, you can't excuse it too much.
0: Uh, Liam, Kane, and Cameron both asked the same question. Um, Do we have to accept that playoffs is the target now? Uh, We're eight points off the top of the league now. Is is that too much to make up?
1: No, it's it's not the end of the world. I thought we'd lost every game 5 0. The way some of the forums have acted, yes. The start to the season has quite literally been terrible. But obviously we're eight points behind Cove and we've started to play them twice. But, but I mean, you win those two games and it's two points. And that's if Cove don't drop any points. Cove's next two are Falkirk. And then the week after they go to Airdrie. So that, this, that next two is for Cove. Can they actually challenge, challenge? Say, for instance, we win our next two. That That's cut down to two points. Like the, the the title is, it's going to be hard. We're doing it the Thistle way if we do. But to say it's playoffs at best is is nowhere near that. If we had a loss yesterday in Cold War four games up the road. Fair enough, it was looking like a task. But it's still only three games. I'm three games away and we've started playing them twice. We've started play everybody twice. We've started play half the league. I'm pretty sure we've started playing all the bottom four. The title isn't a mile, million miles up the road. There is still time to claw us back. Like hopefully yesterday was a case of McCall that like you said Matt, that he knows the four two three one with Doc and Banzo will work if you let Williamson just kinda be like an extra winger then. But it's it's to say playoffs at best at this stage of the season, still a long long way
0: to go. Earlier David Forrest spoke to Christopher Dodds of the Greenock Telegraph to preview next week's League Cup game against Morton.
5: I'm now joined by Chris Dodds, match reporter for Greenock Morton in the Greenock Telegraph. Um, he's here to speak about the upcoming game on Saturday against Morton. Chris, how are you today?
6: Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Thanks for having me on.
5: Good stuff. We'll just get straight into it then. Obviously, Morton had a bit of a bruiser yesterday uh, in terms of a, a pretty a pretty rough result um, against Rafe Rovers. Has that been indicative of Morton's form of this season? Or how do, how do you feel that it reflected so far on
6: Morton? Uh, it was a... A bruiser's a bit putting it lightly, I think, mate. To be honest, Rafa um, Rafa really good yesterday. Um, I'm not sure. I well, I don't think I was expecting them to get beat, let alone beat that badly. Morton have been defensive. They've improved defensively quite a lot this season. To that point, they'd only conceded three goals up until the air game, and then there was two goals, and then it was obviously the five yesterday. Um. I think the change from the back five to back four had a big impact on that as well because it just they, t- they tried matching Wraith with the with the one holding midfielder and the, the flat back four but then four, of, four in front of them behind the main striker and it just, it just didn't work for them at all and Wraith capitalised on that as well. They're a really good ball playing side um, and yeah, 5-0 was... Uh, it wasn't flattering, let's put it that way. It could have been more.
5: Obviously, you've got the big game Against uh, St. Mirren on Wednesday, and obviously the game against Fisal on Saturday. How do you feel that's going to affect those those two games? Uh,
6: I think it's possibly an ideal scenario for the players going into it. Um, St. Mirren Morton obviously is a huge game for the club, uh, for the two clubs, uh, and I think the players are kind of feeding into that as well. Um, It gives them an opportunity to to show what they're about and get in amongst it with with a Premier League side, putting themselves up against them, see how they fare. Um, i was speaking to brian McLean after the game yesterday and he said uh, they said the exact same uh, ideal scenario it's a good chance to right any wrongs but i think that they'll go back to like that uh, they were stung yesterday like you could see that they were hurting very they were hurting really badly so i think they'll go back to being focusing on hard to beat and go from there um, they'll try not they'll try to not concede any goals but it's two away games and Morton's away form hasn't exactly been at the races this season, just like similar to the start of last season as well. So it'll be interesting to see how the games go.
5: more is the general feeling amongst Morton fans. Do, are they viewing the League Cup as something that they can do alright in? Obviously, it depends on results. But do Morton fans really care at this point, or is it just a bit of a dead rubber? The, obviously, the Morton and the same game less so. But like the Thistle game, um, obviously there is a bit of a rivalry ever since like the Championship season. Mm-hmm. Is, is this something that, they, that they're they looking forward to, or is it just, you know,
6: uh, games? Fans are buzzing for it. Uh, I think I, I think no matter what group you'd be in, I think I, the way that I was, the way that I reported it is that the group really couldn't have been any better in terms of fans, obviously. Thistle, St Mirren, and then Ray McKinnon at Queen's Park as well. So it's, it's three teams that Morton fans are going to be absolutely jumping out the window for to be at and unfortunately that's not the case because of the, the times that we find ourselves in but uh, I think originally the first two games was just to build up match fitness as well as get as good a start as possible David Hopkins was quite aggrieved not to be coming out of the two games the first time around with six points so I think they're looking at it to try and qualify whether that whether that happens or not remains to be seen I think, I think the game on Wednesday will be bigger because um that obviously determines it out of who, between uh, Morton and St Marin who will challenge that sort of go and either finish first or second in the group, I think.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think, I might saying we need, at the very least, uh, Morton to either win in penalties or win outright to have us have any chance of actually getting something out of the game, out of the group, sorry. Um, so yeah, I think it, it might be a case of you know we're we're kind of um, not outwardly, but uh, inwardly hoping for a, a Morton <laughs> win to kind of keep us alive. Um, but and certainly, uh, if if Morton do win that same mini game, that that festival game uh, will be quite oh, massively, as well. massively yeah.
6: significant. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the game last season at Capital, you've seen that it, it was quite tasty. That was what Ian calls first Morton festival game back in this stint wasn't it so i think we yeah. got t- i think we got a taste of how he wanted his team to play and obviously we had what eight more games after that and everything got stopped so it was i don't know i think i think it'll be a good game uh i think obviously you user started a bit sluggishly haven't you um yeah i i
5: think it's it'll be a tasty game certainly i mean i've been to loads of fiscal morton games in the past and certainly they're always spicy encounters and especially when the crowds are there i mean um the there's i mean obviously sitting in the away end is always a fun time at capitol especially when you go for your party and there's people banging on the corrugated shed wall uh-huh. <laughs> uh, behind you and all that yeah um so no i, I definitely think it will be the the two natural teams that are sort of at a natural level um I think as well, um, but um, I think that yeah, I think it will be a, definitely a good game. Um, is there anyone that we should really be looking out for in the Morton squad as like a threat in terms of like attacking or you no know, a defender that has really shined or anything like that?
6: Um, Marcus Fiutov, you spoke about defenders. Marcus Fiutov is signed from uh, Hamilton in the summer. He's been really really solid in the in the back three. Um, I think he's taken to, to life at Morton like a duck to water, um, he's been really good and then going forward it's obviously a, you've got Aidan Nesbitt there who was on loan at Thistle for a while wasn't he, a couple of years yeah. ago, um, aye, Nizzy started the season quite well, he's been nipping in and about the box, getting a getting a goal and a couple of assists here and there, um, Josh McPake's been really good as well, he's been really lively, I don't know if you saw much of him last season whilst he was at Dundee or whatever but He's he's he he's bulked up and he's he's quick and he's direct, so that's another that's another one to think about. And then uh Calvin Orsey and Calvin Salkill. Two really powerful runners. Uh Cammy is probably the quickest player in the league. I put my neck in the line to say that. And Calvin is just an old fashioned an old fashioned striker, doesn't mind putting his cell about and can score a goal when he needs to. Um so I think these two games will be important for, for him to get his goals as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's who you really need to be looking out for.
5: Obviously, um, Morton have ex-Fistle player Sean McGinty now, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on Sean McGinty.
6: I want to say hit and miss, but that's not, I don't, I don't think hit and miss is the right way to describe it. He's been he's been there. Um, he scored the first goal after lockdown for Morton uh, against uh, Queen of the South. A good cross into the box for being Omar, and he's quite notulently... Flicked into the far corner, just lost his man. I was like, "Where's that came from?" Yeah, uh, I wasn't expecting it at all. He's 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 been a, he's, he has been a really big aerial threat going forward. Um, he's really he's been really vocal. Um, he stepped in as captain once as well this season when Jimmy Callister wasn't playing, and he's trying to. And in the middle, did he play in a back three? Because was it a back four that he's played?
5: Um. I think, you like, see, the problem is we had, it was usually, it was usually a back four, because we had three centre-halves, and the, the problem we had is that when one centre-half had a really good game, the other one that played with them had a bad game,
6: mm-hmm. and
5: they kind of rotated, so Little Weir would have a good game, and McGinney would have a bad game, and McGinney would have a good game, and then Brownlee would have a bad game, and then, you know, Brownlee would have a good game, and oware would have a bad game, and it was, we kind of rotated them, and we never kind of, they never kind of all clicked together, like, you could see that if you could get the two of them playing at the same time on a good game, mm. it, it would be fantastic. But it's just, I, I don't know what it was, but it, it was all it was all right. I I I thought it was all right, as you say, like he's very vocal and he was, you know, captain for more and stuff like you. Again, you could clearly see that. He cared and that uh, um, he wanted to succeed and he um, he was he was giving his all and happy to chip in and things like that and which I think is to be commended. So you just obviously see, sometimes see players that are just you know coasting about and things like that and you you, you kind of wonder if the heart's in it. Certainly when we got relegated from the Premiership, there was quite a few players where you, you could see they'd chucked it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and no, at no point did I uh, during like the last season or the season before did I see McGinty at all chuck it. He clearly looked like he was putting in the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a case of, I think the natural ability maybe isn't the level, isn't matching his effort. If you know what I mean, uh, which is a shame. But you know, he, and he seems like a good guy as well. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't um, say too much ill uh, of Sean McGinty.
6: I think I think see what you were saying there about. Um the chopping and changing. I think if you'd have settled with a back four, A you wouldn't have went down and B maybe'd have seen the best of Because 'Cause it's been a settled back three and he's looked he's he's been obviously as I said he's been a leader and then he's looking he's he's carrying the ball out quite confidently and he's sitting fifty sixty yard diagonals and it's hitting its man every time like he's he's been doing he's been doing alright I think. Jeez oh, geez all what turned into Beckenbauer by the way.
5: <laughs> I, it's 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 the typical fossil thing. They play for us and they're, they're they're not that good, and then they turn into Beckenbauer the second he leaves. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I I felt that the, the, we we could have maybe seen something more of them. Um, I know it was it was quite funny that um Matt, who I do the podcast with, mm-hmm. I used to regularly sit next to him last season, and every single game when there was a corner, he would go McGinty one nil. Because he thought that McGuinty at some point is going to score, and it will come good one time, and mm. then like the first game in the league after he leaves, is he scores. <laughs> it's, <just, laughs> I mean,
6: it's
5: just like just our luck. But, um, and finally, uh, we always ask uh, the same question to everybody when they come on to preview the game. You can be as negative as you like, but your prediction uh, for a score on Saturday.
6: It's going to be a low-scoring game, I think. It's going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm going to say. One nil, Morton. It, it could be one nil either way, but I'm gonna stick my neck now and all you say one nil, Morton.
5: McGinty header from my corner, is it? Is that is that what it's gonna
6: be? Oh, if it is, <laughs> uh, if, it, if if it is, that'd be too oh, low, isn't it? But
5: I know we would
6: absolutely be shutting
5: down the podcast if that happens. <laughs> not gonna really lie. Um, but um, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Good luck Wednesday, but obviously not on Saturday.
6: No, thank you for having me on, mate, and I'm hopefully, hopefully it'll be a good game both days.
0: And I'll bring you back in. McCall mentioned in this post-match interview yesterday the, the, the Morton game that we've we'll got next week. It's the last League Cup game. Comes at a bad time, so we've a, we've got two weeks off in the league. Uh, do you agree with that? Would you want to get straight back into league action next week?
4: I, I would. i would try. I'll just get fired right into the league action. Um, ultimately, really, the the league is are. Our... It's a priority this season Gaining promotion is a priority this season The Cup, I mean really we end the season like The, the Cup is a bonus But it is good in the sense that um, If we do win the Morton game It, it does gear us that momentum built up and heading into that, that next run of games that we've got But really I, I would just really much rather Get fired into the league
0: Reese, do you think we should play a full strength team against Morton? The injuries are sort of stacking up at the moment Is it is it worth the risk? Or do we make some changes? Well it's a game we don't really want in all
3: honesty you win and you're wishing it's a league fixture. You lose and the confidence is shot to bits again. So I, I don't I don't even think it's possible. I don't think it's impossible to qualify with the current standings, but it's a pretty tough ask. Ideally, you rotate the squad a bit, but how can we? We only had six subs on the bench yesterday. You've got Sneddon awaiting, inju- awaiting surgery. McKenna awaiting surgery. Ruddin's had surgery. Uh, Salim Kudaraisa has also been mentioned as needing surgery. You've got Tam wear out injured. Luke Scullion is a tear in his hamstring and Andy Rodden damaged his ankle ligaments in training this week. You've got Brian Graham and Ross Doherty both suspended. And that's eight players out missing for next week. So there'll definitely be changes, but it's just a matter of who you're going to bring in. I assume we'll see the likes of Senna. You might even see Charlie Riley. Probably see Blair Lines up front or Conor Murray up front, unless we bring in some sort of free agent or a, I don't even know if you can still get loans at this point. It's a, it's a matter of who you're going to bring in. Even the likes of Dean Watson, he's been sent out on loan. So the squad's looking a bit better, like, Why why has he been sent out alone? He made his debut for East Show yesterday, scored and won a penalty. We could be doing with him. We've got an injury crisis at the minute and we've stuck with one striker until January if we don't bring in a free agent. So the Morton games came at a bad time and I just can't be bothered with it.
1: As much as I agree with everything that's been said about how it's just pure, it's just in the way into it because you'd rather be playing his trife and banging back into league action. It is like another... Two weeks, pretty much, to get people back to fitness. Like, Rodden's had his surgery. I'm sure I put up a story on his Insta story the like, last week. Sometimes, so in Archibald had said 45. So, you had two weeks on to whatever they normally say. So, so, you've got seven and eight weeks left. Uh, so that that goes down to six already. So, it, 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 it's one of them where sure on Saturday anybody that's carrying a small little knock or that's 80 percent fit you just don't risk them and you get everybody back just try and make sure everybody that is need enough perfect condition for in a way the second half of the first quarter of the season because that's what it kind of is like it's like a wee break and then you're like right how have we done so far? Shite have we got games to make up for it? Yes do we have now a wee period to get people back fully fit back to 100%? Yes so it could in hindsight, obviously nobody wants to play it. It's just a pure nothing game. Even if we win, I can't see. I think it's going to be hard for us to even just go through because we'll end up on eight points and I think nine normally takes you through is the best second place. But it could be one of them where it gets Rodden two weeks closer to being fully fit. They've not said anything about Alwell, so I don't have a clue what it is with him. But say it gets him a week closer to full fitness it was just small things like that that he could end up working better for us. But overall, the game is just a pure... If I could, I'd get rid of it, but you can't.
0: No, I think you make a good point, man. Because I think when you just look at it, it's, it is almost a dead rubber. If if we do win, it's, it's unlikely we'll qualify. But I know I'm going to come on and ask you about the, the run of games we've got coming up. And it is a, it's a huge run we've got coming up. And we're not exactly getting into these games with any sort of momentum at the moment. And maybe the wee break and getting players back into fitness... Back up to fitness. Sorry, will provide that momentum that we need. Mark, Reese touched on there that the injuries are building up. It was, I think, Michael Max mentioned in commentary. It's especially knee injuries. Do we need to have a look at ourselves? Is this more than bad luck? Is there anything we can do? The pitch that we train on. I know it's hard for us because we don't watch the training. But just, is this just bad luck, or can we make a change to stop this?
2: I think you need to have a look at it whenever you get whenever you have something piling up with that. I think it's natural fans are going to be casting their ire on something like that when you have multiple players out through injury, particularly knee injuries it's not particularly great. I think you need to get the balance between is this bad luck is it? Something we need to look at. Certainly do think we need to look at it, but how deeply we need to look at it is an issue as well. I think you also need to consider, when you look at the injuries themselves, you think if these players are susceptible to these kind of injuries, why are we recruiting them? And then that becomes another issue in itself. So I think we need to get a wee bit of balance between, Aye, this is a this is a major sort of fucking issue, or... Maybe it's a bit of bad luck. But if you recall, we've had these situations before where we've had an entire fucking swathe of players out injured and people were rightfully questioning what the hell we were doing in training. If you remember that 17-18 season we had, was it five or six players who would otherwise be starting out injured with different maladies nearly every week? So, yeah, I think it is a concern. But how much of a concern... I think one we'll see. you've got to remember that I touched on, it's a 27-game it's a season, so things are thick and fast. And the onus will be on fitness and getting off to a good start. So y- you can imagine that things will be much more physically intense, and hence why there's a bit more sort of bumps and bruises and
0: too sugar-coated, so to speak, at this stage of the season. So I'm going to read out our next five fixtures. We've got East Fife at home. Montrose away, Dumbarton at home, Forth away and Peterhead at home. Manpreet, is 15 points essential from those five games if we are going to go up this season?
1: After the start to the season we've had, that, that, is, that has to be five out of five wins. Like if, if you win five out of five there, you're sitting on 19 points after the first round of fixtures from a possible 27 available. If we win all five of them, that, 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 these are the games leading into the 26th of December, which is Falkirk away. You have to win every single one of these games. Like dropping points to Cove and Falkirk is is gonna happen. Let it's not be. We will not invincible this season. Nobody's invincible in this league. It is gonna. We are going to drop points. I've been against the the fellow teams at the top is understandable because they are shouldn't be just as good as us, but they are better than the rest, or they should be. So these next five, this has to be 15 points. Like, There's nothing about it that is acceptable. It has to be five out of five wins. If you win five out of five, you look at all the other results and you kind of filter in. Right? We've got four points out of Falk, we got home and Airdrie at home. Not the end of the world because we beat everybody else. But that has to be five out of five. The team I'd go with would probably be the one that started. Actually, no, I'd, go, I'd start a four four two. 4 2 in all these games, I should sort of fall especially in the home games, and just go for from the start because a goal difference is six below Cove, and the, the season being shortened, that could be a factor in the end. And the fact that we've not scored first yet this season is that is really annoying me. Like, we've almost had to fight back, which shows a lot about the team mentality, but we, we have to start team, especially against these next five which is East Fife, Montrose, Dumbarton, Forfar, Peterhead, like all those teams are four out of the five there are in the or the bottom four, of the teams below us currently, but if you can't beat your Montrose, your East Fifes, your Dumbartons, your Forfar's, your Peterheads, that's when you're looking at it and they're like, "Great, right, hold on, we're in actual, actual trouble here because losing to Cove away, you're going to lose games in a season, nobody's going to go invincible, Clyde away is a derby, right, so we've lost two away games you have to win the rest against all the other struggles. Like Falk have already dropped points against Foffer, I'm sure it was. And they they just about beat Montrose. Like that that's the type of games that they've dropped points there and then they dropped points against us. If we beat Fourfa, you're like right you just you have to make it up. Like but if if we'd lose one or two of them we're fucked like if we generally lose one or two of them, then we are done for. Like what the question was at the start, is playoffs the only option and now? If we lose one or two of these games, then playoffs is the only because we will give us ourselves that big amount. But there is still time and that, that has to be fifteen points. Like nothing else is acceptable. Like nothing else at all.
3: Play with Whiteman. I don't care who it is. I don't want to see any more diamonds. I don't want to see any more narrow formations because we've just not got the personnel for it. Do- like Doherty's not going to get you a goal. Banning is not going to get you a goal. If you're playing narrow formations Richard Foster's going to come in and play for Williamson. He's not going to put balls in the box for Brian Graham. and I just feel like the key to winning this season, the key to us getting to where we want to be, is playing with wingers. Guys that are dangerous and can put balls in the box and he'll get us goals. So for me, that's the only option, especially playing against the likes of Dumbarton, Montrose. I know, I know they'll be stuffy and it'll be hard to break down, but why not just go for them? I'm I'm fed up seeing us being like scared to attack teams like that.
2: Not necessarily on the team, but like you, you mentioned those fixtures, and obviously talked about the doom and gloom scenario if we lose one or two of the games. The, I think the absolute bare minimum is winning all the home games at the very least. We we've already given an inch to Colvin, to Falkirk, and hell even Dumbarton who made a decent start although they lost yesterday. And these teams have taken a mile now, and they've got they've they've stolen a march on us. Now we need to start picking up points. Dishing it out. We need to wake the fuck up Basically
0: Mark as I tweeted Last night It's Fortress for Hill now Well five games Unbeaten it for Hill For the first time In three and a half years I don't What, what are you worrying about uh, Kieran I'll come to you For a last question From a listener uh, As a fellow uh, Cuisine enthusiast um, Peter78 Has asked on Twitter Is a hot dog A sandwich
4: Don't Don't think it is To be honest Eh
0: Is it fuck <laughs> <laughs> No, no, further thoughts. Not going to present no, your nah, present your work. Nah, just, nah, just, nah, no. Hot, hot just no. <laughs> <laughs> now to discuss his time at the Jags and beyond, our own Jamie McDonald spoke to club icon James Cregan this week. Enjoy.
7: And today I'm joined by a special guest who spent three seasons with Thistle, made 88 appearances, scored four goals, including the winner against Greenock Morton that all but secured Thistle the 2012-13 First Division title, James Cregan. Hello James, how are you doing? Hi Jamie, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, I just wanted to ask first, yeah, you made your way into football, and the professional football, in quite an interesting manner. You were playing for Edinburgh University before signing for Thistle. How did the move to Thistle come about?
8: Uh, yeah, you're spot on with that. Uh, uh, you know, a different route into professional football, uh, but one that I'm, I'm I'm quite proud of, really. So, yeah, I enrolled at Edinburgh University. had three great seasons there in their football programme whilst also studying. It felt like it was almost like a bit like full-time football as well because we trained twice a week at university and we had matches on a Wednesday, matches on a Saturday and also a, a strength conditioning session as well. So it was really good that you kind of improved me as a player. And off the back of that... Um, Edinburgh Uni, you get the opportunity to play for the Scottish University Select Squad. And that's the, although being uh, English, uh, as you can tell by my accent, it's all, uh, it's categorised by all the players, you know, the best players in there who go to Scottish Unis and they play in a a home nations tournament uh, against England, Ireland uh, and Welsh Universities. So, you know, we play, I got selected for that squad and as a kind of like a friendly fixture, we played part at Thistle. And I always joke about this at the time because actually of a good friend of mine, Conrad Bellatoni, was playing for part of this at the time uh, in this reserve game. Uh, Harriet. what we played, and we actually beat them 7-2. And mm-hmm. uh, I always like to say that we actually gave them an absolute do and we popped them off the park. And you probably couldn't tell he was the university side <laughs> and he was the uh, the professional side. So now off the back of that, um, Jackie contacted me and asked me, I mean, that was in the April time, would I be willing to come for a, tri- you know, a trial for them to have a look at me? in June for the following season. Of course, it'd still be my dream to play football, professional football, so I jumped at the chance of that and went for a, went
7: for a trial, and the, kind of, the rest is history, really. That's, it's such an interesting route in football, very unusual mm. one compared to a lot of people, obviously, come up through academy systems and end up playing for that team. I was going to ask you a little bit more about your time at uh, university football, because I saw that you played for the GB University team that finished runners-up to Japan in the 2011 World Student Games. What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, that was fantastic. So, um, as mentioned just before there, uh, once you play in their
8: home nation's tournament for the University of Scotland, the best players then got picked for the Great Britain squad, and I was lucky enough to make that squad. First of all, we had a week training camp in Sweden, in Ostersund. And we used the facilities that you probably heard that the team in, in, in Sweden at Ostersund when they played Arsenal not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we we trained with them we played a friendly against them came back home uh, for a couple of weeks and then flew out to china and had four weeks there at the world student games which is actually the second biggest multi-sport event uh, in the world behind the olympics uh, so and you know you go to china and they don't, they don't do things by halves it was unbelievable they'd custom built all the facilities athletes village uh, all the stadiums running tracks there's you, you think of any sport they, they were there really and um, it really kind of like opened my eyes to like the next level of, of sport, uh, really, and the next that you know, gave me the confidence to actually say, you know, I can get back into the to, to the game, um, the professional game here. And luckily enough, we we played, uh, we beat Brazil on penalties in the semi final, uh, and actually when we played Japan, and you know we lost, and they they were the better side. But it was there on the actually their national under twenty three side that we played against because part of the Japanese football program is they have to go through higher education as well at the time. So then not only were they students, but they actually were their national 23 side. They just kept the ball for fun. They played a 4-2-3-1 and they were just, they, they were brilliant to watch. And we were chasing sh- shadows really, but it was it was good. It was in front of 35,000 people as well. You know, delighted to get presented with a silver medal, which I still have on my
7: mantelpiece today. Yeah, it must be great having something like that. quite a rare yeah. to actually have in football. You, I can't of anyone else who has that, that I know of, who's played for a festival or any other Scottish team.
8: Yeah, it was just something completely different, which, you know, I'll never experience that kind of thing again, to be involved in um, an event that wasn't just football. And we went to the opening ceremony. It, it was like, it was like it felt like the Olympics. You walked out, you know, we had a, a flag bearer who uh, was a diver who'd actually been in the real Olympics. And she said it's just very similar to anything that uh, she'd competed in. And, uh, no, it know, it, it was brilliant. And, you know, I think two years later, they ran it again in Russia. Uh, and I just um, I was playing for parties time we just won the league and they, they were still trying to get me to come on the uh, <laughs> they were still trying to get me to uh, compete because I was technically still a student because I was finishing it part time and they were still trying to get me on the on the squad to go again in Russia but I don't think Alan Archibald was out in any of it
7: <laughs> uh, Just on to your time at festival as you mentioned there, uh, you joined the club at a very successful time and you were part of a, such a memorable squad and such a memorable season what was your personal experience like of that title winning season? Oh, fantastic I was see, pre season games went by.
8: You know, we have a, we had a few great results in pre season where I think we were pretty unbeaten there. And then obviously the league the cup at that stage starts first, uh, and then the league and then we just got on this fantastic run and you know, being signed I couldn't get in the team. I wasn't nowhere near the team really because I think the lads won the first ten out of twelve games and quite rightly so, that the manager took the faith with me, sort stuck the face in uh, those players. But you no, know, it was great to be around. Training was fun, it was you know, it was not over complicated. It was a lot of kind of like, uh, keep ball possession and then small sided games and all to a standard where, you know, people were competing all the time. And I uh, thoroughly enjoyed, you know, when I first joined th- that group of
7: players. Yeah, that football was fantastic to watch during that yeah. season. And I feel, uh, we didn't know how lucky we had it at that point.
8: Yeah, because that's that the thing that we played on the Saturday. That's what we were doing all through the week. We were, Playing like that, there's some of the one-touch stuff, the movement, the the intensity, and stuff like that. That was going through the week. So you know, obviously, us fans get to go and watch that on a Saturday. But that's something that was just the normal, really. And to actually, you know, execute that on a match day was fantastic. So, uh, and also, we had a bit of grit as well. We had we knew that we could. Yeah, I think we went through a bad slump around Christmas time there when results went ahead. But yeah, you know, we had players in there um, that that could you know say, actually, now let's just
7: tighten things up and. And be solid as well. So we had some good characters there. Uh, it, was, it was great to see you all come back again for Dool's testimonial. Just to get to see a little throwback of that team. It was brilliant to get to watch that. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. I enjoyed that. I said to Dool, obviously, Dool's a teammate
8: of mine at Arbroath. I'm not happy though. I scored, the, scored a goal and I obviously, I said to him I thought he was the best goal of the day and he didn't get it on camera. A little volley from the open up into the top <laughs> yeah, corner. I, like, I remember. I was like, Dool, any chance you get that on camera? And yeah. he's like, with Mystics, it was that quick. But no, it was a great day, and it was one of those ones because we were all buzzing just to get back playing with with one another as well. And we all joke that we were putting the same team again now. I think we'd hold our own even in like the championship or something like that. And we put them all back together, and um, I was getting uh, in here, saying, "Come on, yeah, get me, get me back, Archie, get me back." And this uh, the, the
7: chemistry on. of that team.
8: Yeah, he had a bit of everything, and we were all, you know, I've done various things over the years and spoken about that team, but we all had players there who want who who needed to and wanted to prove a point. they would either been let go, told they're not good enough, or they were just forging away in their career. And mm-hmm. Jackie had a great blend and his recruitment was so good that there wasn't fantastic. No one was on big contracts and stuff like that. And everyone knew that they had to go and put on a show to forge a career at football. Um,
7: and, uh, and that's what we did. Uh, onto the Gounet-Morton game. Obviously, going into that game, it was a huge match, a lot of pressure on both sides. What was the mood like mood like around the camp especially after agonizing and losing that challenge cup final on penalties just days before? Yeah, um yeah, obviously we were disappointed not to win that challenge cup final.
8: Well, that was probably our, one of our worst performances of the season actually, I think it was. I don't think we were, you know, nervous by the occasion, but we just didn't perform well and but yeah, we knew that we had to bounce back and we did that. I remember leading up to the week my parents were actually up from England. they had taken in the cup final and because we were playing on the Wednesday. They just Rented somewhere like in the the Trossachs, not too far away from like Callander and Aberfoyle. So they were up for the week. So I actually stayed with them that week, and just for like the tr- went to training and the build up to the game and just travelled in. And um, it just felt like a normal game, but until we arrived, and then obviously we're doing the warm I up and they got off, up delayed by fifteen minutes, and everything got kind of like we started to think, well, actually, this is the big one here. This is the absolute. This is you know, the, whoever wins this mm-hmm. is probably going to go on and, and, and win the title and. People ask me about you know the goal and which is probably what I'm remembered for and I always I always say that that ball took an age for it to come to me and it you know came all the way through. I don't think it was intended for me. I think Squiddy kind of like said that not so long ago. And then it was for my eyes, it was just hit the target, hit the target, hit the target, and I've caught it well. And you know it's it, it's flown in and then a the big blur for 20 seconds. I think I was jumping with the ball boy and all oh, so the teammates coming and mob you and stuff like that. But no, it was what obviously will go down as one of my best moments and biggest moments in my career so far and probably to probably will will be uh but to see the hill and you know Morton brought a lot of fans as well packed and it was just raw passion and emotion even like when we were hanging on for the last 10 minutes it was it was something special which is so hard to be replicated
7: yeah just uh, that night was absolutely fantastic uh, I yeah. had not been a festival fan for too long at that point but yeah. was, I I remember it very well it was such a good night uh, yeah, On your time with the club in the Premiership uh, you were obviously a key part of that team that avoided relegation in a first year back up you made 31 appearances in the league including 20 minutes of that historic 4-2 win at Tynecastle how did you find that first season up in the Premiership and what are your memories of that night at Hearts?
8: Loved it loved playing in the SPL I think You'll agree that we started the season the first couple of months, and we were playing that kind of like brand of football as well that we would taken mm-hmm. into this, from the championship. Started really well; should have probably beaten the Hearts at home. I think Jamie Walker got an equaliser. Beat Saint Mirren. Maybe didn't get the points we deserved. Actually, going from the how well we played, but I loved P- being part of that that side. And you know, like I said, we had a, a sticky spell around Christmas time again. Um, but the boys dug in. I felt like a massive part of the team as well, and I was kind of like played as as a number 10 almost but I was there doing, to do a defensive job as well as attacking as well and using my energy to get behind And uh, I loved that role and for me probably the only disappointment was that I hadn't maybe converted some of the chances and, and scored more goals because of my assist record was good and I was involved in a lot of our our, our good you know creating play to be I think I had a spell out the side around about February to March and I remember and Archibald kind of like pulled to one side and said he was delighted with the way I'd performed this season and that had exceeded expectations and that, you know, he was just kinda of like he felt that like I needed a rest. And he put he was probably right and he brought people in and then he was kinda of like brought me back in for the split games. Uh, I think I played every minute of the split and they were all six point games and obviously that uh, accumulated in the, the win at Tynecastle four two where we know we weren't at our best first half and I always remember his comment uh, Archie's comments were We've, we've let ourselves down there, and think how many Fishtail fans have come through to support you tonight, and how much would that means to keep them in this league. And we came out and we blew them away second half, and you know you could see how much it meant to every single player and celebrating them front your fans, fans like that yeah. at the end. It was it, it was special. I just probably wish that you could re- relive some of those moments, especially yeah. now we're playing current football moment when we're playing behind closed doors in the SPL season from from January to the end of the season. Tom Higginbottom was unplayable. He yeah. was off the left, and I think he I think he was. His goal, he had it, assisted or scored in every game. He he was unplayable. unplayable. Stuart Bannigan, great player. I think if it hadn't been for his injuries, he would have gone to playing at a much higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I know for a fact he had offers down south, and he chose to stay with with, with Partick as well. And that's just a, a testament to the person he is, and he loves the club. And I sometimes hear he gets if he gets a hard time, and fans, I can't believe it. But you yeah,
7: no, neither can we on the podcast. Trust me, we mentioned it before. <laughs> yeah,
8: it's just like he's the best player. He, he, he was one of the best players I thought and, and you know he, although he was in a relegated side he was he'd be, he'd be, if he put him in the SPL side it would be absolutely like a breath of fresh air trust me but you know Stevie Lawson as well great player as well He just shows obviously he's gone on to play in League One Taylor Sinclair and that, uh, I lived with Aaron for that first year in the, in the SPL and obviously he got a good move to Wigan didn't quite work out for him down, down there but I think you know, it's so hard to pinpoint one player because everyone had that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that that was the beauty of that team it was a team he had moments of individual brilliance, but then he had people probably like myself who maybe wouldn't be skinning people putting in the top corner and Christy Elliott and people like that and um you know, Welshie as well, who were solid players who would give everything for the shirt and give everything to, to get three three points
7: and that that was the beauty about that was the beauty about it, the team the, the team really. Yeah, I mean uh yeah. That team was just fantastic to watch. The team in the first season up, team in that league, that was just, it was brilliant to watch. But obviously, recently, the club have had quite a tough time. Obviously, over the last three seasons, going from the top six of the Premiership in 2017 to now, we're actually sitting sixth in League One in mm. 2020. What have you made from like an outside, just an outsider's view of someone who used to be a player for the club? What have you made of this slide over the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, no, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to, to
8: watch, really obviously, they the finished top six and, you know, the part of to the top six a punch above the weight, great achievement but, you know, even if they finish in the SPL for the next couple of years, you know, whether it's 7th, 8th, ninth, even 10th you, you still, it's, it's, you're in the SPL, I think maybe people get a bit carried away when you, you have success and then people automatically think, yeah, we, that's where we are now, we're going to go, we're a top six club, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't happen like that really, um, but obviously you know, that's not to say that the club shouldn't, there's no way the club of Excuse me, Partick side should be in League One. Let less, less alone not only winning one in League One so far. Um, yeah, I think that. Still, I don't think they'd be in League One if they kept Alan Archibald in, in in his job in the Championship. Put it that way. Yeah, I, th- I think that was the one that you know probably for himself he probably should have left uh, earlier before that. He had offers your Shrewsbury, I think, at the time, and he chose to stay at Thistle. Mm-hmm. But no, it's been it's been difficult. They've, obviously, it comes down to probably recruitment. Have they got the right people? What it means to play for Partick Thistle. Pressure as well, you know. Like any fans, the the, the demand as well. And they want results, which is they want to pay the money. Can you get them on side and, and give them a performance that they know they'll back you? Because when you start winning games, and when they can see that you're giving everything for that shirt, they'll back you. And the fans, mm-hmm. that they will do, and they'll. And even if you lose, they'll know that you're giving 120. percent And have they had the players that maybe have done that for the last three years, four years? I'm I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure they have. You know, no, I've not no. watched every. I've not watched every single game. I played against a couple of times. I've always thought that there's a chance that they like that we could always get a positive result against them. Um, but no, obviously, I you know probably would love to love to have gone back at some point um, to try and try and help them. That's not that's not worked out. But obviously, I wish them well, and I want them to be you know back where they back up the leagues and back competing at the right end of tables, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's
7: championship or or SPL. Yes, uh, obviously you said you played against us, but since leaving Thistle, you've kind of moved out your traditional midfield role that you've played for us, and you've played in various positions all over the park. Like, for example, <laughs> yeah. a few weeks ago, I was watching the Arbroath Hearts game on TV, <laughs> and you were playing at left-back, I think. Uh, do you have a favourite position now, or are you just kind of happy to continue to be versatile and play wherever the manager needs to? Uh, my favourite to
8: play centre midfield. Um, I don't always say that, I was growing up playing centre midfield, I think that... You know, the manager of any any manager asks me to go and do a job anywhere, I'll, I'll I'll go and do that, and that's probably maybe been a uh, a downfall. That's probably on the outset. You you play a lot of games, which is good, but then when you come into a new contract, stuff like that, and you've not really got a real position, it kind of goes against you. But I'd always, you know, if, if any, you know, my team going to ask me to do a job, i have go and do that. So now I found myself at left back for a couple of games this season due to injuries, and I think I'm I'm quite flexible. That I can read the game well. Well, I can just give it, give it a go. Um, probably make me a, a choice to
4: <laughs>
8: an easy choice. to say, go on, James. Can you play there? And I think it all started actually. The right back thing started at Dunfermline when we played um, the current right back was suspended from the the season before when we played Dundee United away at Tanner Dice And Alan Johnson and Sandy Clark pulled me and asked me, saying, "James, do you reckon you could give it a go playing right wing back away for the first game of the season?" Just because obviously. Ryan Williams actually he was at the club. He's at Partick now. He was suspended. So I was like, mm. "Come on then. I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. And we actually won 3-1. And then I kind of got st- <laughs> stuck in there uh, mm. in that kind of like role. And then right back for the first um, hit Ryan was struggling with a few injuries that season. And I did, I did okay. And, you know, yeah, I got away with playing there. So um, I played most of my, I only played probably four games in midfield that season. Uh, so I, since then, I think people think, actually, you can go and play left back, go and play right back. But now I might as prefer to be uh, in midfield uh, whether that's slightly deeper now or further forward I still like getting getting the box and love to you know
7: have a real crack at trying to you know, score a few few goals over the coming seasons uh, Talking of our what are your personal aims for this season with the club? Personal aims is to stay in the division uh, we're not kind of disillusioned to the fact that they
8: we probably overachieved last season you know it's a tough league I started by um, the opening three games that we've not had points on the board yet so Stay in the division, be the best part-time team uh, in the country. That that that's our aim. So no, no, we've got a great group of lads up there, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to do that. But like anything in a championship, as you'll know as a part-time fan, it's a tough league, and anyone can beat anyone on the day. I always say that. So you have to be on it. You can't if you're if you're not on on the money on a Saturday afternoon at come three o'clock, you're going to lose a football match. So it's not just on skill; it's on work rate. Um, throwing you your body on the line. Uh, and, of course, having that kind of like nice touch in front of a goal
7: yeah, obviously, yeah, I think the championships are a really exciting league, probably the mm-hmm. most tight league in the country, to be honest yeah. so yeah, yeah. anyone could be anyone so uh, and, uh, just one final question obviously uh, you 're only twenty nine but after yeah. your playing career, are you wanting to go into coaching? Have you thought about that?
8: yeah, I thought about that i 'm doing a bit of coaching for um Golden Gray, which is a soccer academy set up by a teammate of mine, david gold, mm. and um his friend. Uh, Ross Gray. So I'm actively doing a bit of coaching with them a couple of days of the week at the moment. You know, keeping my eye in the door here. Yeah, it's something that I've thought about um, uh, doing coaching. I think that I think while I'm still playing, obviously my focus, like you said, is, is still on that. But it's never say never. And I always used to have a joke about with with, with Stuart Bannigan with Banzo about you know, you know me and you will we'll, we'll get a manager and assistant role here. And we'll get we'll get the boys fired fired up and stuff like that. And we always used to say oh, we'll get Stevie Wallace carrying water bottles for us as well. And he wasn't happy with that. Uh, so, no, no, yeah, you know, one eye on, on that kind of like um, uh, the coaching side of things. I'm doing a bit of work for a company called Laps Life After Professional Sport, which is helping athletes transition to new careers at the moment as well, which is something I'm quite passionate about. I uh, always think that people need help once they finish, and, and if we can, there's a company that we can offer that help. So, I've been actively you know, speaking to athletes there who maybe had funding cuts or they've not renewed contracts as well. So, that's been positive as well. So, I'm just keeping my all options open at the moment. Hopefully I've got a few more years to keep to keep playing. Um but no, never say never the coaching and you know, one there could be a manager. <laughs> well you never know, come back and manage
7: anyone. Yeah,
8: exactly. Yeah. So no,
7: it's good. Oh well, it's been great talking to you, James. Thank you very much for coming on, chatting about your time at the festival and your career and uh, good luck for the season at Arbor. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, any time, like I always said, special place
8: Partick. Um it is all as a football club for me and Dan at Down at Fair Hill. I love going back, love going back
0: there. As always, thanks for joining us we'll be back next week with a special guest panellist to discuss the concluding game in Thistle's League Cup campaign at home to Morton, as well as previewing our next home game against East Fife. Stay safe and wear a mask.